We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. All right, well, good evening, and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church, and we are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell, and once again, we're inviting you to call in with your questions, comments, and your concerns. Our toll-free number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 1-888-367-5329. So don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Let us know what's on your mind. Again, that number is one 888 F-O-R-K-F-A-X. All right. Well, if you've been listening to Contending for the Faith over the last few months, you know we've been in a series entitled How to Stay in Tune with the Master Tuner. Well, tonight we bring you part two of a new series. That's right. We're into a brand new series. But, you know, before we dive into that, let me ask you a question. In this social media landscape of YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram, have you ever heard the expression, Reader's Digest Condensation? Well, for those of you who may or may not be aware, Reader's Digest is a monthly magazine with probably the largest circulation of any periodical in the world. It was first published in 1922, And it's known for taking articles of interest from other magazines, condensing them and cutting them down to give you the gist of what the articles are talking about. So tonight, we're going to be doing our own Reader's Digest condensation and contrast of the book of Ephesians, chapters 1 through 6. And in this condensation contrast, you will learn how to strengthen your Christian walk. You will learn to strengthen your Christian walk while understanding more about the enemy of our souls and how to defeat that enemy. For we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed. And thank you so much for that challenging and uplifting introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be blessed by our program tonight. So as I always say, and want to encourage you to get by a table and get your pens and paper and your Bibles and prepare your hearts to get blessed tonight by the Word of God. And what an awesome way to get blessed by the Word of God and studying the book of Ephesians. And what uh, we've been uh, sharing with you is a Reader's Digest condensation on a contrast uh, throughout uh, the book of Ephesians 
uh, to give you a basic working knowledge of this book and the importance and hopefully it will ex excite you uh, and uh, ignite you to really get into the book of Ephesians and let the book of Ephesians get into you. What a marvelous and awesome book this is. And we trust that you're going to be blessed by this teaching as we continue to teach it and preach it. Now, I want you to notice again in this series, uh, two C's. I want you to notice contrast, and that's the first C. And then I want you to notice another C, conflict. And then I want you to notice that uh, throughout the book of Ephesians, uh, the theme is the Christian walk. And what uh, the Apostle Paul is uh, teaching uh, the Ephesian Christians and us today by the power of the Holy Spirit, that if we walk in the Spirit, uh, we will be able to uh, move beyond uh, the conflict that the devil is coming at us and in the uh, spiritual realm and the flesh that's coming at us in the inner realm and the devil, you know, coming at us in the spiritual realm as I indicated, and the flesh coming at us in the inner realm, and the world coming at us in the outer realm. So we have these three enemies that are at work daily causing conflict, not only in our lives, but in our churches, in our communities, in the government, in the world at large, because we wrestle, as it says in Ephesians 6 and 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And so you got to be armed up with this full armor on because if you don't get equipped, you will get whipped. And if you have on the full armor of God, you will be invincible in the spiritual war of conflict. But if you don't put on the full armor of God, you will become a doomed casualty and you don't want to do that. And Satan is about to steal and kill and destroy, and you don't want that to happen in your life in so many different ways. Now, uh, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, it talks about the Apostle Paul and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, talks about the evil day uh, upon us. And you talk about the evil day when you look at uh, what's going on in, in our world today. And you look at what's going on with Target, and you look at what's going on with all of this wokeism and, uh, you know, uh, gay pride stuff. And you look at the world being turned upside down uh, under this uh, current administration. It's a wake-up call to all of us that we need to uh, arm ourselves because it's coming at us. And... Uh, I have recently heard that even the uh, administration right now has uh, employed a, a Satanist that is on their staff now. A Satanist. Can you believe that? And I can believe it because people say people are starting to worship the devil more so than any other time. Yes, because the book of Revelation chapter 13 uh, talks about uh, that in the last days, when the man of sin, uh, when the beast, the Antichrist comes, uh, devil worship will be on the increase. 
And that's what we're seeing today that's happening in our world today. Now, the evil day is upon us in our uh, lives, in our uh, homes, in our marriages, in our churches. Churches are being uh, compromising, confusing, and contradicting. Some of them are. And uh, the evil day is upon us. And you better be ready. You better be prepared. Uh, now, uh, here is the breakdown of six chapters uh, before we get into the uh, deeper into this message uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 make note of all of this now this is the contrast and then the conflict keep in mind these two C's and you could put it down uh, with your notes uh, contrast and then you can put conflict now so in Ephesians chapter 1 we see and we learn about a tremendous and awesome power of God manifested in the heavenly blessings coming down to the earth. A lot of people say, I can't wait to be blessed in heaven. My friend, don't you get yourself deceived like that only. God has blessings to give you on this earth now. That's why Jesus said, I am come in John 10 and 10 that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God has some heavenly blessings for you now, but you got to be in alignment to his will. You got to be faithful to his will. You got to be focused, faithful, and fruitful. Now, so the power of God in chapter one is manifested and coming down to the earth in powerful blessings, eternal plan for our life. So Ephesians chapter 1 begins and opens up with heaven. Just read chapter 1. And it'll mention the word heaven. Oh, what a wonderful place to know that we're going to be there one day. And then to know that God is saying that if we are in alignment to his will, then uh, those heavenly blessings from heaven will come down upon your life. You say, Will it come upon my life financially? Of course, because he said in uh, Philippians 4 and 19, he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The Lord has a lot of blessings for you and me if we are walking in alignment to his will. And that's why Jesus said, seek first in Matthew 6 and 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now, so... Ephesians chapter 1 talks about heaven and heavenly blessings coming down. Just read it. Just read chapter 1. That's uh, the first contrast. And then uh, then when you get into Ephesians chapter 6, the last chapter. So the first chapter talks about heaven and heavenly blessings coming down. And then the last chapter in Ephesians chapter 6 ends with another H and it's hell coming down causing conflict and taking away the blessings that God has given to the church now if you don't have the full armor on and you're not watching and praying then this second H in chapter 6 will come down and it will come upon you like a whirlwind and not only take away your uh, heavenly blessings that God want to give you, but it can 
that the enemy can kill you because he's a he's a murderer. Jesus talked about him in John 8 and 44. He called Satan a murderer. Now, uh, we need to understand that. Now, uh, so when I talk about this second H, well, you say, where is that at? Well, Ephesians 6 and verse 12, in spiritual heavenlies, against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, in heavenly places. The, the old King James says, high places. But in the Greek, it says, in heavenly places. Satan is, and the demons are spirits that are in the heavenlies above. Now, uh, don't get deceived by all of this cartoon stuff and what Hollywood is trying to teach you. That the devil is down below uh, within fire and got a pitchfork and he's sticking other demons that don't do what he tell them to do in their glutamus maximus. Oh no, that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that he is above. So you have uh, God who is in the heavens of heavens, the third heaven that Paul talked about, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You got that heaven. And then below that, you have the uh, domain of Satan, uh, that he's up there with demons. And they can uh, make their presence known and disrupt hell down here on this earth by you allowing them, uh, by you opening up your mind and your heart and your will to them, they can come down here and penetrate this earth. And that's what they're doing. They're doing it from the White House, the Ranch House, the, the Church House, and those who have no house, and disrupting this world, causing conflict and uh, destroying lives, ranging from homelessness to drugs, alcohol abuse and pornography on and on and on i can go on and on this conflict and you know what i believe i'm say this and in, in closing because this is a tremendous stuff here tremendous teaching here oh, and i hope that you're getting so blessed by it but let me say this and bring this home you ever thought about this think about this for a moment let me give you something to think about that when you look at uh the uh, Lazarus and the rich man. It, it says that when the uh, poor man died, uh, he was carried by an angel into Abraham's bosom. And uh, I believe that at the point of death of every Christian, there is an angel there to capture our soul. The body is going to lay down and just be dead, as dead as a doorknob. But that soul got to travel from this earth all the way up to heaven. And it's going to be escorted. Isn't that good news? It's going to be escorted, just like Lazarus. It's going to be escorted into the very presence of God. And do you not know that when it's being escorted, it's got to go through the, the heavenlies. Because you got heaven where god is at the third heaven you got underneath there you got the heavenlies where satan and demons are at and then you got the moon that's a heaven and, and the sun and then you got earth so 
the soul by the angel will be escorted through all those men. And do you not know if an angel is not escorting our souls through the heavenlies, the devil would love to and demons to snatch that soul while it's on its way up to heaven. Oh, glory be to God for his protection upon all of us. Now, if you're going to go to heaven, you got to be right with God. You got to do three R's. You got to, uh, the first R is that you got to recognize that you're a sinner. The second R, you got to repent of your sins. And the third R, you got to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I'm going to pray that prayer for you right now. Lord, somebody listening right now, they are being disrupted by hell and the forces of hell. The second H. And Lord, we pray that they will come to recognizing and saying that I am a sinner and that I repent of my sins. I turn from my sin and turn to Christ. And I receive you right now as my personal Lord and Savior. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches regarding this tremendous contrast and conflict throughout the book of Ephesians. Brother Gary. All right, it's time for us to take a commercial break. Our phone lines are open. And once again, we want to hear from you. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 5329 So don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Give us a call. If you have questions or comments for us, if you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. We always say prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. So once again, give us a call. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the bay. If you have questions about your faith in Christ, theology, doctrine, or the cults, call us now, 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 888-367-5329. Back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you tonight. That number is one 888 F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 1-888-367-5329. So don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Give us a call. If you have questions that are on your mind about tonight's message or things that may be happening in your church that you need clarification on, if you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. That number again is one 888 F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Well, you know, speaking of prayer, we always want to thank all of you who have been praying for this ministry. We know that it is a prayer-driven ministry, absolutely. We've been on the air 20 years, and we know uh, it's, it's no accident. It's because of the prayers of the faithful. And we can't thank you enough for your prayers, your consistent prayers, and not only that, but your consistent giving, because this is a listener-supported ministry. Uh, Dr. Buckner and I do not receive any payment for uh, being on the air every week. Uh, everything that comes in goes right back into paying for airtime. And so it's just a blessing and a miracle in our minds that it's God has kept us on the air 
through you and you partnering with us and using you to uh, sustain this ministry through your prayers and through your giving. There's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's right, contendingfaith.org. And click on the donate button and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. It's so vital that we uh, know that you're consistently praying for this ministry. And it's also vital that you are consistently giving because we need that help and we need that support to continue to do what we need to do each week. So, you know, you don't want to turn the radio on and discover one day what happened to contending for the faith at seven o'clock. Where are they? Well, so maybe, you know, not enough people were praying and not enough people were giving. So we don't want that to happen. We want that consistent prayer going up and that consistent giving so that we can do what God has called us to do with your partnership. So we just thank you so much for what you're doing, and we trust that God will bless you for it. All right, Dr. Buckner, about ready to go to the phone calls? Let's do that, Brother Gary. All right, we have Jermaine waiting. Hello there, Brother Jermaine. How are you doing, my brother? Oh, I'm doing very well this week. Thank you for asking. Well, good. We're glad you were able to call back. We were hoping you would be able to do that, so we appreciate it. Your family doing well? Oh, excuse me. Yes, sir. Uh, everybody's doing pretty good. Well, good. That's good. And how is your health? Uh, one of the uh, uh, members of our ministry said you were kind of going through some things. We trust that you're doing better. Yes, I am. This uh, it's, it's just been a recovery, but, you know, as always, God uh, comes through and he's had my back so far. So he hasn't failed. I'm still here. Well, good. What we'll do before uh, you go, we'll have a moment of prayer for you because we believe in the power of prayer on contending for the faith. So we're going to make sure we do that before you go. So uh, you always have some good questions. And what's on your heart tonight? Yeah, I guess I want to talk about Luke 1927. Um, I've actually heard, I think it was a couple of Muslims and and uh, some atheists trying to use that verse I know out of context to prove that Jesus was, uh, I guess, basically pro-violence. And so, you know, I, I laughed a little bit because we all know it's not true. Um, I just wanted to kind of hear you break that verse down to clear up any confusion, because I know a verse taken out of context becomes a pretext for, for just nonsense. So just let you uh, go ahead and, and expound on that. Right, right. Thank you so much for that. The, the differences between uh, the God of the Bible and the God of Allah is that he's uh, a God that is seen with violence. And he uh, you see that throughout, especially those who are radical Muslims. Um, and you see it in the Quran as well. And you see it especially, too, in the Hadith, which is additional writings of the Quran. Uh, and so what they try to do is uh, make 
the God of the Bible to mimic uh, Allah. And, and you just can't do that because God is a God of uh, love and justice. And, uh, you know, when you get into the book of Hebrews, it's important to let them know that uh, the Lord chasteneth those whom he loved, just like a parent disciplines uh, his child. If you don't discipline a wayward child, uh, they're just going to go off and get worse and worse. So God, the God of the Bible is a, a chastening God, a God of uh, judgment and love, a God of justice. Uh, and <clears throat> so when you look at the uh, context of uh, Luke chapter 19, uh, it, you, you're talking about Jesus is pronouncing a judgment on the Jews who are rejecting their long-awaited Messiah. And the Jews had no excuse whatsoever to reject God's Son. And so doing, they rejected God the Father because they're thinking that, oh yeah, we're in right stead with the Father. But Jesus was letting them know that uh, when you reject me, you're rejecting the, the Father as well. And he made it clear to the, the religious leaders, uh, if you honor me, you're honoring the Father. If you don't honor me, you're not honoring the Father. Because I and the Father, he said, we are one. Uh, in the Greek, it's rather than I personal pronoun, it's uh, in the Greek, we. And that uh, destroys those who are Pentecostal oneness trying to make Jesus the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So uh, the judgment did come upon uh, God's chastening, did come upon uh, the Jews uh, for rejecting Christ. And I think Jesus is pointing primarily in this chapter. Uh, he's kind of like giving them a foreknowledge uh, of what's going to come upon them for rejecting the, rejecting the Messiah and uh, pretending to have genuine faith, which they really didn't. And so uh, vengeance came upon them, judgment came upon them uh, when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, and you know, we see that Jesus prophesied this uh, in Matthew 24. Uh, so uh, you just can't get around, uh, you know, the judgment of God. And when God does judgment, he's not doing it uh, because he hates us, like Allah is. Allah is a God of, of hate and a God that destroys the enemies well, God is not about destroying his enemies. He wants to bring his enemies to repentance. And judgment was getting them ready to come upon Nineveh, you know. And uh, they ended up repenting, and then God showed mercy upon them. He didn't destroy them. But those who rejected him, and, uh, you know, he even showed mercy to the Canaanites, the Perissites, the Jebusites, and even those who had no lights, <laughs> you know, God was always showing mercy to uh, those. And he waited even with Noah, you know, preaching all those years. And then yet uh, it came a day when the doors were shut, you know, and literally uh, the judgment came upon them because God is a holy God. He's a righteous God and sin he will not tolerate sin, but 
he loves us so much that, you know, if he sits back and does nothing, then we never learn. Just like a child uh, that just able to do whatever they want to do without some type of means of discipline. And it talks about he that spared the rod hated the child. So we know that God is a God of love, but he's a God of justice, a God of judgment. And he wants to, and he says that he desires for none to perish, but all come to repentance. And it says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not, should not perish, but have everlasting life. See that word in there? Should not perish, but have everlasting life. But my, I tell people, you know, if you reject God and continue to do that, he has the right to say, okay, uh, I'm going to discipline you because I want to see you get to heaven. And the only way we're going to get to heaven is for God to take us to the woodshed. That's what J. Vernon McGee said. He said, he said God took him to the woodshed and he got cancer uh, in his throat from years of smoking. But do you not know that that discipline in J. Vernon McGee's life turned that man upside down? He did through the Bible radio, snapped and did through the Bible radio like none other because he said, God took him to the woodshed. But he didn't take him to the woodshed because he hated him. He took him to the woodshed with discipline and judgment because he loved him. And all of us have been to the woodshed, but it's not a good thing to go there. And God always has it. Say this last point. God always has it where he takes us, he, he lets us all hit a rock bottom. And I have a saying that goes like this. Sometimes God will allow you to hit rock bottom so you'll realize that he is the rock at the bottom. And when you recognize he is the rock at the bottom, he brings you from the bottom to the top. But there's also another point is a bottom out. A lot of people don't hear that term, but you can hit rock bottom. But if you keep, you know, being living in sin, God will have you bottom out. He'll, he'll take you out of the universe just like that... Uh, young person in first corinthians chapter five and paul said you know he was sinning and sinning in the church and just openly sinning committing uh adultery and you know with his father's wife and uh paul said this thing is not even done among the pagans that one would have his father's wife and he said deliver such a one over to satan for the destruction of his body that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So God is a God of just, justice, judgment. And since Paul was hard on that man through the church, you know what? In 2 Corinthians, that man ended up repenting. So God will use judgment and judgment through love to bring us to our senses like he did with the prodigal son. The prodigal son was really whipped out there in the pig's pen he was a sheep. He had no business out there mingling with pigs. And he came to his senses. I'm a sheep. What I'm doing in the pig's pen is slop out there. The scripture said he came to his senses, came back home. But you do you, you not know that God allowed him to lose everything. And he almost lost his mind. And he came to his senses. So I must come back home. That was, that was judgment. God has to do that. And he has the right to do that. 
and none of us can bulk with it. And if you don't can't understand it, then I tell people, get the book. I, I, I told my daughter, and I tell so many people I'm counseling now. I'm counseling a lot of marriage couples and, and, and people in churches, various churches. And I say, hey, you know, get the book, Why? by uh, Ann Moss Graham, Billy Graham's uh, daughter. It's a little small book. It's revolutionary. I think every minister and uh, Christian should have that book. Why? By Ann Moss Graham. Well, hopefully I, I kind of went a little longer with this elaborating, but hopefully I've given you some insight on this as well as the passage here. Oh, yeah, that was that was great. I appreciate the answer. Thank you very much. And, uh, you're, yeah, you're I got, got a bonus bonus hey, with, uh, amen we'd like to always put a lot of meat on the bone and give you that spiritual sirloin steak my brother uh gary let's pray for our brother before we go to another commercial all right lord we just thank you for brother jermaine we pray that you keep him in good health strengthen him and encourage him we pray lord god also you meet every need that's represented in this family whether it's a physical need a spiritual need a financial need or emotional need lord god your word says that our god shall supply all of our needs, according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So we thank you today that your promises are yes and amen, and that you are not a man that you should lie. So we ask again, bless his life, bless his family, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you tonight. That number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. That's one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the bay. If you have questions about your faith in Christ, theology, doctrine, or the cults, call us now, 888-FOR-KFAX. That's 888-367-5329. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 All the lines are open, so you have a great opportunity to get on the air with your question, your comment, or if you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. So once again, that number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. And we just like to take a moment to thank all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith. And we want to thank all of you who have generously given to this ministry to keep it on the air. It's so important that you continue to pray and that you continue to give. There's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, that's spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Now, the second way is so much simpler. Just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. And click on the donate button, and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. You know, I always say, one of these days... You're going to stand before God, and he's going to tell you, turn around and take a look. 
and you're going to turn around and see a multitude of people. And you're going to ask the Lord, Lord, who are these people? And God is going to tell you that these are the people that entered into the kingdom of heaven as a result of your giving to ministries like contending for the faith, as a result of your tithes and offerings. It is so important that we are conscious that we need to give to ministries. We need to make sure our tithes are paid for the work of the church so that ministries like this one that equips people, that gives people reasons and answers for their faith, uh, are able to stay on the air. We have been on the air for over 20 years now. Imagine how many people have been prayed for, how many messages have gone forward, how many people have gotten saved, set free, delivered, healed. Um, it's just an amazing thing. We won't know until we get to the other side. But it's through your giving and it's through your prayers that these things happen. And they're credited to you. That's just gold going ahead, ahead of you into heaven. So we want to encourage you tonight that what you do for the Lord is not done in vain, including and especially when it comes to your giving. All right, Dr. Buckner, you're about ready to answer some questions. Let's do that, Brother Gary. All right. So we had Brother Alfred call earlier. He wants to take these questions or these answers off the air. His first question is, why did Jesus say, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? That is a very good question. And uh, that uh, expression of Jesus has uh, challenged uh, and really uh, affected so many people uh, inside the churches and outside the churches and trying to understand uh, what Jesus was expressing when he said, Eli, Eli, Lombach, Sabachthani, uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he was on the cross at that time. Yeah, he was on the cross at that time. Very true. And uh, he had said seven last sayings on the cross, and this was one of them. Uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And what we got to do is look at several things in relationship to this. Uh, one is uh, Jesus is quoting uh, from uh, Psalms 22 uh, when he expresses this, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he quotes from Psalms 22 and verse 1 where David says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So Jesus is quoting the same thing. And what's happening here is this, okay. So uh, David, as a human being, uh, because he was persecuted and so many people were after him, even his own son, Absalom, uh, and David was in a, a marathon most of his life. I, I bet you it, it became the long country running. David probably would have won all, all those races because uh, he was doing a marathon all the time running a, away from his enemies that were after him. And his human nature got to the point where he felt sometimes as a human being, uh, God, I, I'm going through so much. Uh, why has you forsaken me? Now, uh, in reality, God never did forsake David, but that was his human feelings. And the same thing with Jesus. When he quoted from this, he's quoting the same thing and, and expressing the same feelings that 
David had. So that's why we got to look at everything in context. And uh, so Jesus had two natures. He had a, a divine nature and he had a human nature. And he, but he was one person with two natures. And so the human nature uh, felt the same way as David felt. Otherwise, he wouldn't have quoted from there. Now, the, the big question is, uh, did God forsake him? Well, a lot of people say, well, God forsook him because the sins of the world was upon him. And yet, uh, God probably looked when the sins of the world was upon him uh, and then looked away for a moment and then looked back at his son because he was pleased at what he did. And so Jesus felt that moment when the sins of the world was upon him and God couldn't look at sin. It tells us in Habakkuk 1 and 13, Thou art of pure eyes to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. And so you link Habakkuk 1 and 13 with uh, Psalms 22 and then the passages with Jesus' Matthew 27 and verse 46. Uh, along with Psalms 22. Now, what is interesting that a lot of ministers and people forget to do in this chapter, and I'm going to give you something that I hope everybody listening to this will be enlightened and apply it and share it with other people when you get into this discussion. A lot of people don't read the, the, the full uh, Psalms 22. So if you get you go down to Psalms um, uh, 22 and verse um, 24, because even when you look at verse 18, it says, the part of my garments among them cast lots upon the vesture. And so this is talking about in the context of, 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 of David getting a glimpse of what's going to happen to Jesus. And when you look at verse 24, this is the key verse. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither has he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. So how many people quote this verse with verse 1? Because it's letting you know there that God's face, it says he that he says neither has he hid his face from him. So in a moment God looked away probably, but continued to look at Christ. And he didn't forsake him uh, over a long period of time for a, a short moment. But here it lets you know this verse twenty-four and the context needs to be put with verse, it needs to be put with verse uh, 1 of Psalms 22 and with Matthew 27 verse 46. So hopefully that helps out and uh, that's just some extra insight to uh, this uh, whole dynamic of this. Now he had another question as well. Yes, his second question is regarding the thorn in the flesh. He says, what what does the, the thorn in the flesh teach? Does it teach us to rely on God's grace only? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it teaches us to 
not only rely upon God's grace, but to practice living in that grace every day. Because uh, this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is where Paul is talking about, in, in verse 7, talking about the thorn and his flesh. And, but I want to add to this. A lot of people, when they talk about relying upon God's grace when it comes to thorns, because we all have a thorn in our flesh, but Paul gives a whole list of things that we need to rely upon, not just God's grace. Because here again, we got to read context, context, context. It's one of the things uh, I learned as a theologian, uh, put everything in context because a text taken out of context becomes a pretext for error. So listen to this now in 2 Corinthians 12 and uh, verse uh, 7 through. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So Paul is getting a little bit prideful, uh, you know, because he saw things that no man could see because it talks about uh, he went to the third heaven and he couldn't even come back and, and, and say anything about it. We have so many of these people today saying, you know what, uh, I died and, and I saw a light and I saw uh, my family down here and I was on my deathbed and, and then I'm coming back to tell everybody, no, God shut Paul down, Apostle Paul down from doing that. And when people generally say stuff like that, I said, wait a minute now, that's a contradiction to what the, the Apostle Paul is teaching us here. So he saw revelations that it probably went, I mean, I can imagine all of these apostles got around the table and they started talking and then about revelations and Paul like, man, you're talking about revelations, brother. Let me start... And he was starting to slip a little bit, and uh, God had to put something there to keep him humble. And it says, for this, in verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might be depart from me. And uh, yet, when he sought him three times, uh, he didn't uh, remove it. He just gave him grace, but he didn't only give him grace, but look at these nuggets of truths and blessings and and that God gave him. He says, um, my grace, that's one, is sufficient for thee, and my number two, strength. And, is, and then he said, is made three perfect in weakness. Well, this is, this is pretty powerful, excuse me. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory God gives us glory to, that's four, excuse me, glory in my infirmities, uh, that the power, here's another fifth thing, of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I, verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities. And so, what is, what is he saying? And then the, verse 10, uh, when I'm weak, uh, therefore I'm strong. How does he get strong? 
He gets strong because he's getting grace. He's getting strength. Uh, he's getting being perfect. But the word perfect there means mature in his weakness. I had a, uh, a preacher that called me, heard my message, and I was saying in the message from this First Corinthians 12, be mature in your weakness. And he ended up calling me later on that evening, and he said, Dr. Butner, Dr. Butner, the Lord used you. Be mature in your weakness. And this is what God is saying here. He's telling the Apostle Paul to be mature. All right, Butner, that's really good stuff. We do have one more caller we want to try to squeeze in. Oh, Sister. yeah, let's do that. Well, She's on. That's, that's blessed, uh, Brother Alfred. Amen. Who do we have now? Uh, Sister Prima's on hold. would like to know about cremation versus burial. What happens to the soul and what effects does it have when you're cremated? Okay, is this an off-the-air call? He's on there. Well, I'm actually oh, how are you doing? here. I, I, hi, thank how you for you? taking my call, Doctor Buckner. I'm fine, thank you. Um, I, I've been li- I've listened to you for years, not re- you know consistently, but through the years, I've learned a lot from you, particularly about the cult and about other religions. So I Very do um, have, have a lot of re- respect for your knowledge. But my question is about. <clears throat> Cremation versus burial. Now, I understand that um, cremation at least was pagan back, way back then, back in Jesus' time. My question is, is it still pagan? My other question is, if someone is cremated, say that they are a Christian or a believer, they are cremated, certainly human cremation cannot affect God's soul, so what happens to the soul after someone is cremated? I mean, do we know that? Um, my husband wants to be cremated. I want to be buried. Um, well, let me let me say so this. We hear the yeah. music. This is such a good question. I'm going to have you to call back. But let me just say this quickly, that uh, the same thing that happens to a person that's buried and the, the same thing happens to the soul with a person being cremated, their soul immediately leaves and if they're a believer, they go into the presence of God. The early the uh, early church always did um, burial, but cremation, even if a person goes that route, you know, God mm-hmm. is able to bring it back just through his own word. But we should, this is a oh, good okay. question. Please call back uh, next week so that we can deal with this some more. But uh, that's a good question, and God bless you. Okay. Uh, thank you. I will call back. God thank bless you. Please keep us in prayer. Until next time, we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.